Of course, the crowd wants Reed to go for it. Wouldn't be surprised if he did on fourth down and one. So, anyways, with that, time jerks. Welcome to fourth and one. I'm Todd Palmer, joined by Nick Jacobs. And, uh, man, look, a lot of times you get these games, especially on a Thursday night when it's short, you know, short week, tough to prepare for. You got a lot of personnel changes due to COVID-19 and obviously other injuries this time of year in the NFL. And they just don't live up to the billing, man. I mean, how many bad Thursday night football games have you sat through in the last several years? I'm telling you, though, that that Chiefs Chargers lived up to everything. And and I think if Chargers fans are being honest, you know, when they're not disappointed over the loss, I think they'd tell you the same thing. I mean, that was about everything you could have hoped for from that matchup, man. Yeah, from a national perspective, I think everybody's going to be happy with how the final uh, quarter turned out with, I think, 29 points or so. Um, So I think people are going to be very happy with that part of it from a national perspective. I think that locked in the uh, Chiefs versus the Chargers on prime time for quite some time, whether it's Monday night, Sunday night. And I'm good with that because I'm tired of seeing the Chiefs Broncos in prime time. Make it Chiefs <laughs> Chargers. That's what it needs to be. Whoever wins, wins. But it's it's going to matter for quite some time with those two quarterbacks if they're healthy and, you know, not injured. So I, that's what I want to see. I want to see Herbert versus Mahomes for a long time. Take full advantage of it if you're if you're Sunday night football, Monday night football, um, the, the Thursday night game to kick off the season of the Chiefs are Super Bowl champions. I don't care, but bring it bring some of those opportunities for viewers to really get pumped up and be able to kind of put that next scale of Peyton Manning versus Tom Brady type that you are guaranteed twice, you know, twice a season, because that, that game that happened tonight remind me a lot of Montana versus Elway in the Monday night football game in 1994, just the same kind of back and forth there and two really good quarterbacks that I think are going to, that are going to be, very big focal points for the AFC for quite some time because of the ability that both of them have. So I, I want to see, I want to see more chiefs chargers in prime time personally. Yeah. And, and next year when Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson joined the AFC West, I mean, you know, every game's got to be prime time, right? Yeah. Then it'll probably be Broncos chiefs yet again. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, though, look, we got to be real. Like the offense again, Stop me if you've heard this before. The first 15 plays, they were brilliant. And then something went horrifyingly wrong for two quarters, at least in terms of putting points on the board, man. I I, I guess they did get a field goal drive out of the opening drive of the second, second half there, but you've seen that script play out. And, and honestly, I was resigned to be talking on this podcast about how the deck was just stacked against the chiefs short week. They had to travel, you you know, you had the COVID situations, you know, with missing arguably your best player um, at every level of your defense. Uh, You're, you know, you're, I guess your number two wide receiver right right now, one of your top four at the very least, I was ready to, to, you know, have that podcast. And then the last three drives happened, man. Uh, You know, Patrick Mahomes had just had one, arguably the worst throw of his career uh, when he spiked the ball into the ground on that flats pass on the fourth down to McCall Hardman Jr. And then, you know, has another uh, unfortunate interception. Uh, great play by um, Nwosu. But, I mean, at that point, you're thinking, man, it's just not the Chiefs' night, right? And, 
and then bam, three straight 75 yard touchdown drives. And, uh, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, we're talking about another division title, which would be a record six in a row. We're talking about, you know, how they're currently the number one seed in the AFC, obviously new England and, and Tennessee could join them at 10 and four and they'd be bumped back down to three. But I mean, every, you know, this was the season we talked about that this week and the chiefs played like it down the stretch there. Yeah. I mean, well, the first thing I got to say that is what's cooler than cool Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> hey, yeah. I was <laughs> going to say, say uh, ice cold. What? Um, not that I just, I, sorry, I have to shake it like a Polaroid picture real quick. All right. Well, I'm glad you took care of that. So glad. So glad we can got you, that handled. Can, can you lend me some sugar? No. I am your neighbor. I'm, I'm, you are not my neighbor. You live 20 <laughs> minutes away. Um, but anyways. Uh, um, yeah, no, Dora. I was going to pivot, dude. I was just waiting for you to stop so I could pivot. Pivot. Now pivot. Anyways, I'm going to pivot now. Um, so essentially, yeah, look, I mean, Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, like, those guys all have a special bond and chemistry and that's worked up over time. And when the game comes down to it in the clutch, those guys figure out ways to make it happen. Like that's just what they do. And Patrick Mahomes, once he gets outside the pocket, whether it's running with the football or trying to find Tyreek and Kelsey, he just has a different level of confidence about him. And if you get a couple of those opportunities on drives, like he just, he kind of calms down and then he gets to that. He gets to that level. And this is why you pay Patrick Mahomes half a billion dollars is for those three drives because that dude is clutch in those moments when he when he has to be. You don't want him to have to be that way. You don't want him to struggle like he did for a handful of quarters there. But until you make some roster adjustments in the future, like this is what you're going to have to adjust and work with and do at times. So for Patrick Mahomes, I mean, look, the, the guy's been there, done that. Him and Kelsey and Hill did it again. And it was funny because whenever it got into started getting into overtime, whenever Tyreek Hill started to have the uh, some cramps there on the final drive, and he went over the sidelines and tried to rest there for a little bit, and they finally started help stretching him out there and getting getting rid of those. Um, the defense started to have their number. And then when Hill came back out there, uh, the, apparently they lost that number that was over with because then they had to account for him again. And then Kelsey was able to tear him apart because of it. And Hill had a couple of, couple of catches along the way there. So all that combined, like that's what makes him so special. And if you add another person in, like we've talked about, whether it's a running back or receiver, or you improve at left tackle, um, those are the things that are going to create the confidence that, that kind of keep these uh, keeps the chiefs offense from getting in those lulls because there's times where once Patrick feels that pressure from the left side or feels that pressure from the right side, he's a little more hesitant to stay in that pocket, especially he did a good job against the Raiders last week, but this, this week he got back into his old ways in some regards. And then he, it, it led to some poor throws. It led to an interception at one point because he wanted to get the ball out quick out in the flats. Cause that was part of the game plan. And, you know, then he had that one ball that he didn't uh, get his hand on the laces because he wanted to beat the corner for the for Chris Harris had a chance to jump the route and make the interception. And he threw one of the worst football uh, <laughs> passes he's had as a quarterback. And he admitted that in the postgame. But 
Yeah, uh, it, I, I'm telling you, it it looked like John Wall throwing out the first pitch at a at a Washington Nationals game. Just spiked it right into the turf. It, <laughs> I, I'm just gonna say I didn't appreciate Patrick Mahomes um, throwing a football that symbolized my dreams. <laughs> like, it, was, it was very hurtful. Um, but no, I mean, look, I mean, they they did what they had to in the clutch and Kelsey. Yeah, we so we can laugh about it now. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, because there was a time where you weren't laughing about that one or a couple other throws. Um, but yeah, man, like there's, like, I like that one whenever the blitz came with the corner. And when I saw the corner of safety, I can was Derwin James or Harris. I can't remember, but they brought they brought it off on the left side over there and it was going against Brown. I was like, dude, Brown is not going to be able to handle that. They're going to speed right past them. Pat's going to have to step up and evade to the left. And that's what he tried to do. And then he ripped, you know, he ripped out of the clutches of the, Defender and then and set up, squared up, threw it to Kelsey, converted a first, and I think that led to their field goal. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, there's just, I mean, I hate to say it this way, but bless his heart, but Orlando Brown's trying the best he can. But if the refs were paying attention, they could have called 10 false starts against him. And this is multiple weeks in a row where he's trying to get a jump to stop the defender from getting to the edge. And he knows he's going to get beat if he doesn't. So he's actually, he's actually starting to false start a lot more. And I, I wouldn't be stunned if that gets called a handful of times because he did it against the Chargers, and I counted at least eight, at least eight, if not ten times, and he did it at least eight to ten times against the Raiders last week at Arrowhead. So that's something we're going to have to continue to watch and monitor. And man, I tell you what, uh, as long as they start calling the holding penalties on on Melvin Ingram at the same time, then maybe it'll be a wash. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. We'll see how it shakes out. It just depends <laughs> on the officiating crew. See if we get old Carl. Get Carl. He likes to he likes to call holds, Foot Locker. Um, but anyways, yeah, and, and then like I mean, look, just the Chiefs running backs, they they struggled. Let's just not. be honest. Like, I mean, that run Patrick, game Patrick Mahomes was tied for the team lead in rushing for this one. Yeah, no, that's that's a bad sign. <laughs> so how much the Chiefs run the ball, um, or tried to run the ball. And that's and it's not only an offensive line. I mean, look. I mean, Brown struggles to knock people off the ball in the run game, and that's that's a big problem of his. <clears throat> Poor Joe Thune. He's trying the best he can with his hand injury, and it's, uh, you know, it really comes down to Creed and Trey and Niang really kind of setting that, uh, just knocking people in double teams and knocking them into new zip codes. So it's really honestly up to those three guys on a regular basis to get it done or to bring in multiple tight ends to help make it happen. But you know, Clyde just doesn't have the vision or the acceleration to get it done at running back. Daryl Williams likes to dance around sometimes when he, if he just lowers his shoulder and got ahead, he might've got a touchdown on, you know, one of those runs that could have made it uh 14, nothing and 14, nothing instead of 10 to nothing. And then, you know, Gore didn't get a lot of opportunities tonight. Most of his were on special teams. So I don't even remember if he got a run. Actually, I think everything might have been on special teams. No, nah, he didn't have. He, he Michael Burton had more carries than than uh, Derek Gore did tonight. Yeah, and the reason I'm still thinking that he may have ran today is because I cut a whole bunch of bumps in our <laughs> four and five o'clock show from the Raiders game. Yeah. So, um, so that's blowing into my memory. Yeah, I thought this was going to go down as the Michael Burton game. Um, you know, early on when he had that screen pass and that touchdown early, um. I suspect it will go down as as the Travis Kelsey game, um, considering that he had a career high 191 yards and and look, I mean he's over a thousand yards for the sixth straight season. No other NFL tight end has done it 
more than four times in their career, and only Greg Olson's done it three seasons in a row. Um, so does that mean that Travis Kelsey is twice as good as any other tight end in NFL history? I don't know. Well, I know him and Gronk are two of the best I've ever seen. Outside yeah. of Tony Gonzalez and Shannon Sharp. So yeah. Those those are honestly not when I name those off, those are those are seriously the four best tight ends I've seen. And we'll we'll see who uh potentially joins them. I mean, George Kittle has a chance, you know, just gotta keep stacking those together. But yeah, no, I mean it uh yeah, Kelsey Kelsey belongs in Canton, that's for sure. Oh he yeah. definitely belongs in the Chiefs Hall of Fame. So, you know, if they can get a, a couple more championships with Kelsey and Hill. Both those guys should hopefully get in the Hall of Fame. I, I, I'm not sure that Travis Kelsey needs to do any more to get in. I mean, the fact that he's done what he's done six consecutive seasons, um, and, and he's done it more than any other tight end in NFL history. I think it would be hard to argue that Travis Kelsey is not a Hall of Famer right now. Um, and how and, cool would it be whenever he gets in if he gets inducted to do it in the state of Ohio where he's from? That'll be really, oh, really yeah. cool. Yeah, interesting one, you know, who, who, you know, will his brother already be in there? Will his brother have a gold jacket potentially at that point? Um, the real question is, will Nick travel to that? <laughs> um, it's drivable, so. <laughs> yeah, no, that's exactly why I would travel to it, yeah. <laughs> but look, I mean, he he had struggled, right? Like he had, I think he had 74 yards in the Cowboys game, but he had three catches for 27 yards in back-to-back games against Denver and Las Vegas coming out of the bye. He'd only had two touchdowns in, in the 11 previous games. You know, he had three in the first two games of the season, but then it had a, a little bit of a dry spell as far as getting to the end zone. But Kelsey is just a guy who, um, you know, he keeps showing up. He keeps that positive attitude. He keeps giving energy. And and it was, it was insane to me to see how wide open they allowed him. Look, I know Derwin James got hurt and, and that's their guy. That's their Travis Kelsey stopper, right? But you, I mean, I was surprised how often they were letting Drew Tranquil try to cover him because it clearly was not going to work out well. And it's not like Kelsey didn't have a monster game against him in week three as well. Um, but, you know, the 69 yarder to set up the first touchdown uh, in that, you know, they're in the fourth, in the last 10 minutes in overtime. And, and then the seven yarder to tie the game late. And then, I mean, obviously the, the, the walk-off, uh, I think that's what it's going to become known as the Travis Kelsey walk-off. Um, um, just man, did he show up and, and it, it kind of overshadows Tyreek Hill though. I mean, that catch he made on, um, you know, when he was getting interfered with down the left sideline. Yeah, when he caught it, he caught it underneath his arm. Right, <laughs> he right. Still when he caught the ball underneath, like I believe Harris's arm. He's just getting mugged, and then a, a great catch in the end zone to go up high and then hold on to it. Uh, you know, through the the dude, contact. When, and the and Patrick threw that as a that was a bullet that that dude threw. Patrick, yeah. like Patrick, would have got a lot of speeding tickets if there was somebody that had a radar gun. I'm just telling right. you, oh, Tyreek literally caught that in his face mask. Like <laughs> he came right at him, and he yeah. caught it with his helmet. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing: if you and you know the rest of the NFL was watching tonight. Yeah, you if saw how many people if, were tweeting about it. If you're players. in the AFC and you're watching that game, I don't think you want anything to do with Justin Herbert or Patrick Mahomes if they're playing like that in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, well, and also if you're a prospective free agent in the NFL, like those are two teams that you really need to genuinely think about it. About hey, if I'm a free agent, I may I'm 
I need to I need to think about going to either of those spots. No, that's that's just me though. Yeah, no, I mean it was that that was that was quite the show. And um look, I mean, I, I think both, you know, Mahomes started out fast and then had his lull. Herbert seemed a, a little a little nervous, maybe a little jumpy. I, the Chiefs got some pressure to him early, but he settled in and the offensive line settled in. I mean, give it up for Pipkins. I, I thought that you know, they were potentially in trouble there at left tackle, but, but, um, they, I mean, you know, they, you know, Nick Bolton almost had a sack on one play, but they really did not get a lot of pressure on, uh, on Justin Herbert. Let me ask you. Okay. So you're missing yeah. Chris Jones uh, yes. on the defensive line. You're missing Willie gay at linebacker. You're missing Legarius Sneed at corner. Um, pretty clear that Chris Jones was the, the player they missed the most, huh? Yeah. Because, Nick Bolton played great. Ben Neiman played great. Um, and, and Charvarius Ward, thankfully, you know, when he popped up on the injury list, was able to gut it out and go and had 10 tackles, and he had a great game. Mike Hughes, um, you know, he got beat for a touchdown. He had a couple dicey mo- – a couple touchdowns, I think. Uh, had a couple dicey moments there. But, um, you know, he, he was serviceable. He, I think he was better in the first Chargers game, uh, which was a low bar, admittedly. Um, but, but he, I think he played better against Mike Williams this time around than he oh, did. Oh yeah. No, he played much time better time this around. time around. Yes. <laughs> I was like, no, that person, <laughs> he got, he got smoked. There was progress there, Yeah, there was. but I think that you could see what Chris Jones absence meant in terms of the inability to stop the run mm-hmm. uh, and the inability to pressure the quarterback. Yeah, if you were wondering how important Chris Jones is to this defense at the three-tech spot, you got your answer against the Chargers because that pass rush for the Chiefs pass rush was wildly ineffective without Chris Jones. Um, And then, like you said, in the run game, the Chargers were doubling the three-tech. Whoever was playing three-tech was who they doubled and knocked them in a new zip code. And a lot of times that was a a choose-your-own-adventure between Jaron Reed and and Wharton about who was going to get a pushback. And Chris Jones had already been in the backfield a handful of those times and really disrupted things and forced the offensive line to have one-on-ones across the board and would have helped out that pass rush a great deal. That pass rush was worn out and looked tired really, really quick. And that that shows long term when you look at the long term need on this roster, they're still going to need a rotational. They still need rotational help at one tech. I mean, three tech, though, they should be fine, but they're going to need some help with that one tech spot to kind of even it out between Wharton and Jones. And they're going to need rotational help at the defensive end spot behind Frank Clark and behind Ingram so that no matter who you rotate in that it stays fresh and that, and that they can maintain that style of pass rush. So that today was a great evaluator for the chiefs front office about what they need from a playoff caliber perspective. And they'll get those, they'll get even more opportunities to evaluate that. And I'm sure they're already on it, but they'll get more opportunities to do that. Um, and I mean, yeah, they miss Willie gay. They miss Willie gay a great deal. Because there were some runs there towards the edge that he would have he would have ended pretty quick. And there's a couple of those zones that he would have dropped into and he may have intercepted that a couple of those passes and those touchdowns don't happen. Um one one was against Mike Hughes. I know that the late touchdown. Then there was another one where it was wide open. Yeah. Matthew had to run over there and and Kimmer if it was Ward or if it was Hughes on that, that I think it was Ward. But they 
There's just some opportunities uh, I, there. I, that... I think. I, well, the the one to Keenan Allen on the touchdown where Hughes just you know played played too far off. I think that was him. I think the other play you're talking about where they hit a big shot to the sideline and Matthew was was late getting over was actually DeAndre Baker. Anything's possible. I don't know. It's blurring together. I just know it was in the end zone and Matthew came hurrying over and it was pretty wide open there. Uh, we might be thinking of different plays. I'm thinking of another play where Baker... No, I'm, I'm thinking of an end. I'm thinking of the end zone play. Yeah, no, this one in the end zone. No, the, the two I'm thinking of were in the end zone where they, where they scored touchdowns. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, look, but the defense came up with some crucial stops on fourth downs. They had some big, they had some big stops, man. I mean, they stepped up and they forced stops. They forced some turnovers. I mean, they, the defense did the best that it was capable of with the players they had on the field. And well, they gave it, everything that they had, and they were worn out. They were out on the field for 80 plays, and they, they were tired. Like, I mean, they, they got to a point. Once once players players are used to playing 50 to 60 snaps in a game. So once you get past that, and, that, and that's if you're used to playing it. Most players probably play 40 snaps max. But to, to be at almost 80 snaps for some of those guys like that, that I they, that gets you worn out pretty quick. The thing that I that was encouraging to me about this performance, if you remember, Chris Jones missed a couple games earlier in the season too, um, and the Chiefs played terrible against Buffalo. They got beat thirty eight twenty, and then they were down at halftime against the Washington Football Team the next week when Chris Jones was on the sideline. Um, but right from the the start of the game, you know. You look at what the Chiefs were able to do, um, especially in the red zone, which was, you know, a problem area for the Chiefs last year. It was a problem area to start this year. You know, they give up the 75-yard kick return to to start the game, and you're thinking, uh-oh, this is going about as well as I thought it might with as many people as they had out. Now, what um, I will say on that kick, though, is two of the lanes – or because the guys who got bombed up the practice squad weren't in the right spots. Right. No, I mean, yeah, it was clear. And so they just boomed it out of the end zone the rest of the time, but yeah, they did. They adjusted quickly on that. Yes. Yes. Great game plan by Dave Tobe. Crushed um, it. <laughs> but I mean, to get the, you know, to force four straight incompletions, uh, you know, uh, on that drive from the five yard line um, and get off the field without giving up any points. And, and then to do that again, and then to do it yet again in the second half, I mean, it was just insane how well that defense played when their back was against the wall. I got to ask though, like, look, I'm all for analytics. I'm all for like, you know, like taking, you know, like, you know, taking whatever information you can have. But I mean, at some point, like, you know, I, 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 I think you can make a strong case that some of Brandon Staley's decisions including the challenge uh, of the, you know, the Travis Kelsey non fumble um, are, you know, uh, hurt his team. They, they help the chargers keep on charging. Yeah. No, I mean, there's sometimes he, he shouldn't have gone for it. Just kick the field goal, kick the field goal a couple of those times. And you know, the chiefs have an even bigger hole that they have to dig out of, but Staley wants to set a new tempo and a new mindset there. And, in Los Angeles with the Chargers, so he keeps he keeps risking it, and he keeps trying to instill this mentality in them. Well, that's completely fine, uh, but I mean, you know, it's going to bite you, and you're, at some point you're going to have to throttle it back some if you want to win some of those games against some of those quality of opponents. So, 
Well, I mean, this is the flip side, right? Like they went for it fourth and nine in the first game and they got a, a, a questionable penalty called and it led to the game winning touchdown you know, they tried to go for it this time and, and the chiefs were ready and they made plays. And so you give the chiefs credit for making the plays, but Brandon Staley's got to own the decisions he made. Yeah. Well, I mean, here's your winning lottery numbers. Good luck to you. <laughs> All right, man. Like watching Nick Bolton play like a man possessed. He, he had yeah. a, he had a game high 14 tackles and a game high three passes defense, including the one that was, uh, that he tipped up that Anthony Hitchens intercepted. And then another fourth down stop. Um, shockingly, um, man, I, I, it's hard. Like I know middle linebackers, not a premium position, whatever. I don't care. It's hard. I, I love Derek Johnson. Um, I'm, you know, like, um, uh, I, it's hard for me not to get excited about the future and what this guy can do in the league. If he stays healthy. Yeah. And there, there was some runs that if he'd been at the middle linebacker spot instead of Hitchens, like some of those runs don't have the gashes that they do. Like Bolton would have just thumped those down right yeah. there at the line of scrimmage. So that that's something promising for the future in that regard. But yeah, no, I mean like that, the big hit that he laid on Mike Williams. I mean, he had, he had four, I counted at least four kind of game defining plays that he helped make the difference and, and yeah. keeping that from turning into something, something bad that could have happened. Like what well, you said, he had the tip, he had the, that caused the INT. He had the one where he knocked the ball out of Williams. Williams got hurt on that play. There's a couple runs where he's stuffed behind the line of scrimmage. Like you said, he had the help on the fourth down. And like, I mean, so if a guy is playing, you know, that amount of snaps and and makes it and makes crucial differences in that and six, seven times like he did, like I mean, there's there's nothing more you can ask out of out of a out of a player in that way. And they're utilizing him correctly. So yeah, I well, can't next complain. look. I mean, obviously Austin Eckler, you know, was limited with, with the ankle and that made a difference. But if you'd have told me that, you know, without Willie Gay in there, they would hold, hold Jared Cook and Austin Eckler to seven catches for 55 yards. I'd have taken that all day. Like I signed me up for that right there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I, he, he had a day, man. Nick Bolton had a day. Sorensen came up with some crucial plays like he does down the stretch here. And, you know, it, I mean, Ingram did better than people realize, but not having Chris Jones on that line kind of minimizes some of the effect that Ingram had with some of the power that he used. But I didn't understand at times why they rotated him and Frank Clark the way that they did. Like, I mean, yeah. Frank's, you know, Frank's the right defensive end. Ingram's the left. Let's just keep it as is. But yeah, right, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, look, I, I, there's going to be a lot more of these Mahomes Herbert matchups to, to go for it. And I think a lot of them are going to be, um, you know, potentially dramatic like this one. So it'll, it'll be fun to watch that uh, rivalry develop. Um, and, you know, I mean, if you're a chiefs fan, you got to keep hoping that Mahomes and the chiefs keep getting the better of them. Yeah. Um, um, you know, and look, uh, I got to ask, I mean, how hard are you going to be rooting for the Colts on Saturday uh, when they play the Patriots now? Yeah, no, I mean, I'm I'm gonna be rooting for the Colts personally, but that's that's simply because you need the Patriots to stumble at least once to try to get that one seed and get that bye. So I'm, yeah. I mean, I'm hoping the Chiefs are able to get that bye. And tonight was tonight was big for me against the Chargers. So, and I've also Todd, I've got an idea, got an idea that popped in my head tonight. I think the Chiefs will have to wait till next year to do it, but it's an idea. 
I just want you to know that. Okay. Well, what what's your idea there, man? I think long term the Chiefs need to move Clyde Edwards Hilaire to receiver. I think he could be an interesting slot receiver for him. I'd, yeah. I'd love to see them try it. I think he's significantly better in space. And he showcased it a handful of times tonight when he was a receiver with the angle route. And then also when he did the ad lib with Mahomes and caught the two point conversion. And then there was a, there was another player too. He just responds better when he's in space, <clears throat> whether it's at running back or, you know, or out, when he's out there in the open on the flats or maybe a wheel route or something. I just, I just, I think like he could be, I think I would love to see them try him out at the slot receiver position. Just using like, like, like the Cardinals use Rondell Moore a lot of times. Probably. I haven't watched a lot of Cardinals <laughs> this year, so I can't tell you. They, they like to split them out. Why? <laughs> Either way. I just, I, I would like to see more opportunity because I, I think he can make a difference in the passing game. If they, if they could utilize them sometimes out there, even, you know, have him, uh, have him and Williams in the backfield, then put Clyde out there, motion him out as a receiver and run some routes with them. I would love to see them try that. I, I think there's an opportunity to have a little burst with him at receiver and give him a nice little jolt. I, you know, at the back when we were having training camp discussions about what are the, you know, who's going to be the number two receiver, stuff like that. You and I had talked about how, you know, having McKinnon and, and Edward Tiller in the backfield and then doing exactly that motioning one of them to the slot. Maybe that was a potential solution, you know, because we like the, those guys speed and shiftiness in the open field. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, that would be, uh, you know, then that would make it a little bit more palatable. If you do need to draft a running back who can break more tackles in the, you know, in those middle rounds uh, next year, uh, probably a little bit higher than you'd like to after having already invested a high pick in one. But, you know, if he turns out to be, you know, uh, a quality slot receiver who can, you know, give you Miko Hardman esque production, um, you know, and balance out that, that offense. I mean, you know, you're, you're, you're at least you're getting value for that. What you invested in that pick, you know, back a couple of years ago. Yeah. I just, I, I think that is something that I hope they have a discussion in the future on. Cause I, I think he could, I think as a slot receiver, I think he could, I think he could help him out a great deal and do some damage in the open field that I think would be very promising. Cause I think once he gets past the defensive line when he gets an open space, He's just a different player when he has space yeah. and to work with and room to roam. Like, so I think if they can figure out ways to do that from a receiver perspective, I, I think if you give them a full off season to work on it and do it, I think there's a, I think there's so much promise there. And honestly, if I'm, if I'm him, I, I may want to do it because your longevity Mm-hmm. in the NFL as a wide receiver and the amount of money you can make as a wide receiver are the earning potential, uh, you know, both in, in terms of uh, annual average value, but also, you know, with that longevity, of your career, you know, the career earnings potential um, um, would be, I think, greater for, for Clyde Edwards Solera if he was able to successfully make that transition. Um Last thing, and uh, you got anything else about the game? No, no, I'm I'm good at this point. Yeah, last thing I wanted to, you know, you and I, I think both. Um, it was hard to shake the image of, of Ronald Parham Jr. Uh, on the ground uh, after hitting his head. Looked like, um, you know, looked like he might have gone unconscious there. Um, you know, certainly seemed to go limp. Um, and then, you know, obviously, um, some of the scenes like. 
uh, it's just sobering, um, to see that. So, um, thoughts and prayers, obviously for, for his family. I hope that, um, you know, the, the doctors there at UCLA, um, are able to, uh, um, treat him and that it's nothing too serious. And that, um, when he's healthy, he can come back. Um, you know, but it just, the scary scene I know, uh, and I know, you know, for both of us, it was still in our minds well after the game. Yeah, no, it's a very jarring thing to where, because I saw his head whip back, and the way that it went back and smacked off the ground, I was like, that's not good. They're going to have to check him for a concussion. But then when the steady cam came up to it, and they they didn't realize at the time. So for people that are like, why would you show that? They didn't realize at the time what was going on, and they cut away as quickly as they could in the truck. Like, I'm just telling you that right now from a TV perspective, that that's what that was. And when they realized that he that he looked unconscious right there that they cut away from that as quickly as they could. So I'm just telling you that part of it from a TV aspect, but whenever you saw him, you saw his hands and what I think Fox Nick. (laughs) Anyways, um, just whenever you saw his hands and kind of what I think they call the, I I don't know what they call it, the prone position or what they call it. But when you saw his hands, the way that they were, like you knew that that was definitely at minimum a concussion, if not something else. And to see that, that was kind of, that was jarring. But then when they had him on the stretcher and like his, the way, you know, the way his hands were kind of moving without involuntarily that, that, that rattled, that rattled me significantly. And I, I can only imagine what his loved ones and friends were thinking when they saw that and just how, frightening that probably was to see that and so that's one of those times where hey you look you hope you hope that he's he's fine and he can come back to football and all that stuff but that's when it turns real world there and you're like man i'm just hoping he's okay and can walk right there's a lot of life regard there's a lot of life to live after football for these guys and a lot of frankly more important things you know in terms of family Right. Um, you know, things like that, that are to come. He's 24 years old. You know, I mean, he, he's a guy who played for the Dallas renegades of the XFL after he didn't stick in the league his first year, uh, and then got his chance, you know, he went undrafted in 2019, but got his chance after that XFL experience. Um, you know, and he's, he's been doing a solid job for the chargers the last couple of years. Um, you know, and, um, you know, like I said, certainly you hope, a He'll get the chance to to live his NFL dream again someday. Um, but uh, you know, if nothing else, you you wish that he can live a good life um, again someday. So uh, they were treating him for head injury last. We knew he was in stable condition at the hospital. Um, I'm sure you you'll be able to see some updates in the coming days. Um, you know, from the Chargers and and from uh, presumably national reporters. Yeah. Um, speaking of reporters. Um, um, I did want to um, acknowledge Blair Kirkhoff uh, of the Kansas City Star. Um, he had a column Thursday before the game announcing that he had leukemia. I can tell you, uh, and you know this too, but having worked at the Star with him for, for several years, there is no finer person in sports journalism in Kansas City than Blair Kirkhoff. Um, he is humble. Um, he is funny. Um, he is, he's just a beloved person and deservedly so. Um, and so, uh, you know, really rooting for Blair and that, uh, 
um, that he can pull through his fight here with cancer too. Um, and, you know, and get back to something approaching a normal life as well. Yeah. I mean, cause you, like you worked with him in the star and then obviously I got to work with him at Metro sports and then he's done Sunday sound house with us. And I got, yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he's frequent contributor. And, uh, so getting to do the, sh- the college game time show with Blair and getting to see him and talk with him every week there and getting to see him out at chiefs a lot whenever I was out there covering that beat on a regular basis, um, out of most press conferences and everything and doing that also on top of like getting to chat with him when he comes in to do Sunday sound off or, or just randomly seeing him at events. Yeah, no, I mean, Blair's Blair's a phenomenal person, a great writer, very knowledgeable, uh, across the board about sports and above all else, like you said, he's just, he's a great person. Him and him and Therese both were two of my favorite people to be able to see on a regular basis from the Kansas city star. And, um, yeah, no, the, those guys are both fantastic people. So yeah, for Blair, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a bummer to see that he's having to go through that right now and what he's going to have to change in his diet long-term and what he kind of had to go through with uh, what he explained in the column. Yeah, no, that that's, that's a, it's a bummer to see. And, but knowing Blair and the positive attitude that he has and how he's going to approach it and the support that he has, I know I sent a text to him and I know you've been reaching out to him. So I get to hear back from him today. So I was happy. That made my day to be able to get that text back from him. So I know you and I are both going to be thinking about him a great deal. Like we already had before that column came out. And then also, um, yeah, you're just, you know, you hope everything's okay for Blair and for anybody out there listening. And um, yeah, no, it's, 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 yeah. What what Blair talked about with this cancer, how unique it is and how it's going to be something he's going to live with for essentially the rest of his life. And in some way, in shape or form about how he's going to have to approach it. You know, that it, it, it was something I learned today with that, with that form of it. So yeah. yeah hairy cell leukemia. I'd never heard of it, but it, it was, it was jarring um, when yeah. he wasn't, it wasn't at the KUMU game last right. weekend and right. then not to see him in the chief's press box. Cause he's been kind of an omnipresent figure at, at major sporting events. I still, um, I can't remember who I can't remember who it was. Um, Oh yes, I can. It was Buddy Heald with Oklahoma when he hit that shot in the Big Twelve mm-hmm. tournament game a couple of years ago, and then jumped up on the table. Like, there's a shot where Blair is just like aghast with excitement after having watched. You had a courtside yeah. seat to watch Buddy Heald do it, right? And that just spoke to. I mean, here the man's in his late fifties at that point, right? And he still mm-hmm. has this childlike uh, enthusiasm. For his job. And I can tell you, I would, I spent four years on the Mizzou beat and I covered that beat, um, uh, by driving from Kansas city over two, three times a week. Um, you know, I commuted to Columbia regularly, uh, and, and it's a, it's a tough nut to crack, especially when you don't live in a town like that. Um, I were it not for Blair and, and Vahe Gregorian and, and Therese. Yeah, I was going to say, um, I know Therese. Was, he, I'm not sure that I would have made it through those four years. All right. <laughs> um, you know, but um, I think my favorite thing about Blair um, is just what a good natured guy he is. Yeah. I used to, um, 
I used to tease Johnny Kane uh, back when he was at a, another TV station that he was, he had to be the most handsome man in Kansas City sports media. Easily um, top three, easily top. Right. Three. Right. And then, you know, he's uh, now in Detroit doing his thing up there. Uh, um, but so once he left, we were in the press box one day and I decided um, mostly in an attempt to embarrass Blair just a little bit mm. um, that he had now had to assume the mantle with his perfectly coiffed hair as the most handsome man in Kansas City sports media. So like I would just randomly go up during the World Series. Like there he'd be talking to like a New York Times columnist or something. I'd be like, oh, I see you've met Blair, the most handsome man in Kansas City sports media. And it became a thing. He would just laugh and he'd get red cheeked and he would, you know, but um he was very gracious in putting up with my crap. Um and that, is, that, that sums Blair up perfectly right there. He's very <laughs> gracious and putting up with uh people. <laughs> But that's one of the things like, uh, I, I just, man, I, I wish you nothing but the best Blair, um, you know, um, and, and, uh, and I hope everybody understands, you know, uh, you know, it's, um, he's a good guy. And, and I, you know, um, there's lots of people they're they're fighting real fights, um, out there and, you know, uh, especially around the holidays, got to keep those folks in mind. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing better I can say than what you said. So, all right. Well, with that, uh, Hey, we get a little bit of a break now cause there's no chiefs game Sunday, but we'll be back. I'm sure next week to talk some Steelers and, uh, and we'll go from there. How's yeah. We're going we're gonna to figure that out because we'll have to do it some point before Christmas since that's yeah. coming up and, uh, spoiler alert. Uh, I only work Monday next week and then I'm off. So, uh, yeah, good luck with that. Oh, so you're trying to tell me that you're going to do the podcast on a Monday. No, no, no. Oh. Just, just for you, I will log on and we'll do one on our traditional Thursday. If oh you... wow, I'm, I'm so, I'm so honored that you're putting yourself out like that. <laughs> you sit in your house to to use the Zoom yeah. uh, program. But I'm and... off 15 in the next 18 days. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's actually really impressive. We like that. So, yeah, no, I'm. I will come. I will have lots of energy for the podcast. Or I will be pulling my hair out. One of the two. It depends on how my children are acting that day. I don't feel like you're gonna have a lot of energy. I just, I know, I know, I know your two kids. <laughs> I don't think Harrison will be a problem, but little man, little man's gonna, he's gonna, he's a, for people that don't know, uh, Todd's son Colin is a, he's a miniature version of Todd without a filter. He, yeah, yeah, he has a little bit less impulse control. That's an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> love love Colin. I want him to know this if he's listening two years down the road. He is uh, he is not he is not a big listener. Uh shockingly 45 minute yeah. podcast about the Chiefs. Which is weird because he's on those YouTube videos all the time. Uh <laughs> you know, watching other kids play video games apparently. Apparently yeah. we're not good enough, Todd. Yeah. If we put it on YouTube, maybe he'd find it. Yeah. <laughs> all right, it's time to wrap this up. It's yeah, almost, we've got off the 3 30 in the morning at this point. I'm so sorry. Take care, kids. <laughs>